This is Jane Hardwick-Collins, founder of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. Connecting to our inner dimensions. Inner reviews of transformation. When and how my life changed. Rewilding women with their stories of growth and transformation. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us. This is important and deep, serious work. So welcome to the podcast series. I am Ayla Myra, your podcast host and story guide. back to the podcast for episode 19 it has been a little while so feeling really refreshed and ready to uh, get going again for this year for 2020 and introducing Jessie. Jessie is a midwife, shamanic craftswoman, educator and artist and not to forget mother of three. We have a beautiful journey talking a lot about her time doing the Four Seasons journey in 2017 and weaving through that uh, whilst being a midwife and a mama and how that came up for her. And we did talk a lot about Vision Quest too. So it's a really beautiful insight to share with you all. And so before we go into the show, I want to talk about shamanic woman craft retreats. Um, there's two that are coming up this year. And so the first one is in Sydney, uh, in Robinson, New South Wales, and that's in the 16th to the 20th of April. And the other one is from the 4th to the 8th of June in WA. So yes, the Shamanic Womancraft Retreat, I want to read what it is. And if you're listening to this through the website, just go to the events and you'll see the event with more information. Um, otherwise, schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com. So the retreat is about remembering the blood mysteries, the ancient female maps that we live by, whether we realise it or not. We engage in deep explore, exploration of our body wisdom and inner knowing and the wisdom of the cycles, the lunar phases menstruality and rites of passage, birth, menarche, childbirth, menopause and death. We will spend five days living together in circle, invoking the circle as a shaman medicine woman, living the healed sisterhood in deep connection with the land. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome Jessie to the Womancraft podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us this morning on our new moon um, in Pisces, I believe. In February, it's been a while since I've actually recorded a podcast, so it's really nice for this year to be introduced with you. So welcome. Beautiful. Thanks for having me. Really, yeah, excited to share my story and see, you know, what comes up for that for me and how that deepens and, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, because you have Harold's your bubba now. Uh, she's um, 17 months. 
Yeah. So, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. And you've yeah. got other children or I do, yeah. So do, I've got yeah. um I've got three kids. I've got a daughter who's nearly twelve, who's just started high school. I've got a son who's ten and a half and then yeah, our last little baby girl is yeah, yeah seventeen months. Yeah. yeah. I do remember um, seeing you at the home birth conference maybe two years ago or something. Well, obviously then. Yes. And you were saying you were thinking about calling in a child. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, but it was lovely to witness that journey with you. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So um, you started your – you completed your journey in 2017 or did you start in 2017? Started in two oh no, it must have started in two thousand and sixteen. It went for most of the year of two thousand and seventeen. So yeah, started in yeah November twenty sixteen. It must have been okay, and that was in Mullumbimby with Jane. Yeah. So before that, prior to that, you uh, were working at the university, were you? Or yeah, so I was working yeah. as a midwifery lecturer at the University of the Sunshine Coast and uh, still attending a few home births, mainly in the capacity of um, second midwife. And so tell me then, um, in that sort of spectrum of coming from that life phase and into where you are now, what drew you to journey with the school? So it's really, I've thought a lot about this and it's hard to kind of pinpoint the moment where I became aware of the school and decided that this was something that I really wanted to do. Um, I've known of Jane and, you know, her work for a number of years, you know, through my midwifery journey, but I think it was maybe at a um, CAPERS conference, Passage to Motherhood down at the Gold Coast, that was maybe 2013 Um, and there was a whole group of, of beautiful women from the school down there. Jane was there and Tallulah and, um, yeah, and I just remember then just going, yep, I need to do this Four Seasons journey and how am I going to make that work with two little kids and um, at that stage I don't think it had come up to Mullum and so I was like just, you know, the logistics. So I live on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland of how I would get down you know, to Jane's property and, and make that work. It just all felt that it wasn't really the right time um, but was something that was really, you know, calling me and knocking on that door, so to speak. Um, and then, yeah, I guess my real push into diving into this work much deeper happened with the death of my maternal grandmother. So, um, yeah, she died probably nearly five years ago now and just felt so ripped off. It just felt like such an unfinished process. Um, I always have loved since I was a little girl knowing that, you know, I was an egg inside my mum, inside, you know, my grandma's womb as as she was pregnant Mm -hmm. with my mother and really felt that part of being a part of her and that familiarity with her body even and just – um, so yeah, and kind of talked to that at her funeral and, and so, yeah, that just kind of started things for me. I, um, I got a beautiful tattoo maybe a year or so after she died, um, of kind of, you know, the Russian nesting dolls to really signify that it was my first tattoo and 
a big birth for me. <laughs> it was um, very painful and not one I think I could go back to do again. <laughs> I'm like, give me a baby any day. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I moaned like I was in labour too, so I don't know if this tattoo artist would have me back. And she's like, I've heard about these noises. This is she was pregnant. She's like, This is yeah, interesting. So You're a freak. <laughs> yeah. I've labor breathed um, in massages before, like just that same thing when yeah. they're digging right in. You're like, so helpful, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, and so I um I made I actually I made a drum before I did the Four Seasons journey. So oh, um, Tallulah okay. um, came up to the coast and I hosted a workshop at my place. Um, must have been January 2016. And so that felt like a kind of an ease in or a start to, um, you know, to that process for me. Um, so, yeah, it just ended up being right time right place I guess and I had a friend commit to do that with me and it really I think having her dive in as well kind of helped keep both of us accountable and Um, and on track with committing to the journey yeah and did you both are you both birth workers is she yeah we are midwifery too so you can't yeah interesting yeah it's really interesting when you reflect and just in other interviews too, and and same for myself, Um, when I heard you saying about, you know, the limitations but then felt that calling, it's almost like all those things, you know, like travel, time, cost and all of that, there's just such a strong pull and I love that deep, deep, deep calling and that deep pull to it. Yes, it was almost... um felt similar to my decision in being a midwife, you know, it's almost, it was out of my control. It was, um, yeah, I had no choice but to say yes and go Mm. along for the ride. Yeah. 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 Um, so with, I just want to tune in back, um, with your grandmother and her dying, you said that you felt like kind of ripped off. I just want to like add to, so is it more that you wanted to explore that more, that maternal lineage, or oh, you wanted just, to connect with her more through this, or it just felt like it was all over so quickly. So she lives a few hours away from us, and um, and there was like some vintage clothes thing on that weekend, and I just said to my, I had a really strong feeling, and I said to my mum and my sister and my daughter, I'm like, we have to go and spend the weekend. Um, with Gran you know we just we have to go and that like we don't normally ever go away together and we don't like she would often come to us rather than we go to her and um, she ended up actually having a stroke while we were there that weekend and um, and so oh (laughs) yeah and so um, I got to say goodbye to her because I knew she was dying Um, so mum and my sister were like you know she's you know she's going to be fine and she'll pull through from this and I'm like no no this is it you know and I just I just got to cuddle up with her in the bed in hospital and just you know thank her for everything that she'd given me in my life and we just laughed and Mm. um yeah it was just a really beautiful experience and it was then you know it just I feel like we don't give space for grief in our community 
and um, you know I've always been fascinated with birth and death and you know that and been an emotional person and that hasn't really fit in very well in in my family at times and it's kind of you know we just need to get on with it you know let's just get back to life and um, I just mm. yeah I just didn't feel that there was room and space to explore all of those feelings and to honor her and you know our traditional you know how we have funerals and things just just didn't feel complete for me so I think it was more even just I don't know just yeah having space to think about her and think about what that meant and to integrate mm. um yeah just that shift in our in our family relationship the loss of our matriarch and and what all of that meant and so um in it I had a beautiful experience um at our opening gathering when we journeyed to meet you know our guides and teachers and um and I got to the upper realm and um there was my great grandmother so her mother and she was standing there and then my gran was next to her and she kind of had her arm around her and she felt really young in comparison you know like and then just behind them were just this this group of women that just kind of spread out that was just all of their mothers and their mothers and their mothers and their mothers and they just were there and welcomed me and um so yeah I felt her very strongly with me you know during that process during that year and still Mm. do so it's been it's been a lovely way to continue our relationship I feel oh beautiful yeah I love how you said that to continue the relationship um even though you know she has left the physical form there's still a relationship there and still lots to learn and grow with and it's really beautiful yeah and so how was it heading into your opening gathering oh terrifying (laughs) (laughs) oh so I think yeah before before each of my gatherings there was the um I can't do it not doing it like haven't really got time for this don't really want to go all my judgment stuff came up you know ah, I'm not gonna fit in this isn't gonna work who who the fuck am I this isn't for me you know um but yeah and then you know the minute that you land all of that kind of disappears and I've never felt more at home and comfortable and like me you know Mm. so yeah, it was nice to have the repeated experiences of that throughout the journey and to, you know, to see how, um, yeah, just to see how that all played out for me and notice those patterns. And So how was the drum making? Like you already made the drum with Tallulah and um, so that's part of the process for people that um, are interested in doing the four or eight seasons journey is you make a drum and you look at your birth story alongside that so did you revisit that story again or did you do something yeah I did yeah Yeah. and in a really it was a really interesting very challenging process for me so my first drum I made with Tallulah was really beautiful you know it was this creamy milky unblemished hide you know she was just so gorgeous and so this time you know I just decided I just I don't even care I'm so not attached to what it all looks like and 
just seeing the, you know, the dynamic of everyone choosing their hide. We had a really big group. We had like 50 women in our group. So it was, it was massive. Um, How did you find that? So I just thought, look, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. Challenging. I think there there was more room to hide. I, th- I think if I had been in a smaller group, then maybe um, there might have been a little bit more um, – uh, I don't know. You know how you can just get a bit lost in a crowd sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit intimidating start with but it ended up being um it ended up being really positive I think actually just um during our wilderness solo and just the sharing of our life stories you know the ability to just hear so many women's stories all at one time was really really powerful and seeing all those different themes emerge and you know, having so many different women to that were showing up and that you could learn from and share with was was pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, I guess it was perfect actually. Yeah, that's great. It's really good, for, especially for people like me to hear this. That would just freak out at the notion that there would be that many people there. But seeing mm. what um, part of that arises in yourself to show up to that and to feel safe and supported during that um and yeah to find opportunity in that and then come out of it as a positive thing so just really reflects I guess on how amazing the school is in that organism and the space that it holds to hold that many people safely absolutely and you know I remember getting to the end because there are times I'm like oh you know am I even am I even going to get to know who all of these women are and you know but I just yeah I I I fell in love with each of these women so deeply and I'm really grateful for yeah just everybody being able to share so much of themselves Mm, beautiful so you were saying um you made this gorgeous milky (laughs) Drum, central oh, yes. drum, <laughs> and so you came back into and the next arena of drum making. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I just it doesn't matter which one I get. I'll just get like the scabbiest kind of, you know, <laughs> doesn't need to be beautiful. It's just whatever, you know. Really, um, just was going very differently with kind of how I how I felt about all of that, and so you know, got this kind of this skin that was kind of, you know, everyone had kind of walked past and left over and had a few marks on it and anyway, that was mine and I, um, yeah, I, as I was cutting out all of the thonging and it broke a few, oh, no, it didn't break that yet. Yeah, I can't remember if it broke then. Maybe that was as I was, probably as I was weaving it. But just through the whole process, I, so I decided to make an inside-out drum um I for some reason felt really called to do that it was I guess part of who I am as a person is I can be I'm actually quite introverted in a lot of ways um and that surprises some people I need to feel quite confident in order to 
and comfortable to really share of myself. And I can tend to um, bypass the deep personal stuff for me and much easier to tap into that with other people. And so I thought that if I did the inside-out drum, then it would be really – I would have no choice but to be exposed to the inner workings of, my, mm. of myself, that that would be there for me to really see and feel. Mm. And so, yeah, I just – I knew how to make the drum um, and it – you know, yeah, things broke a bit and I had to tie them back together and that was fine. But I started to, um, after I finished the drum, I I just was so sad. I was in this massive grief space and I couldn't figure out at first what that was. And then thinking back over the process, I, um, so I could see that it was quite a big process for a lot of women. Like there were um, some people got quite sick and like had full on headaches and were needing a lot of support from the teachers. And I just really, I felt so jealous. Like this was such a confronting moment for me to just, you know, see some of this shadow stuff of just, yeah, I just, I didn't actually need any help, but I really wanted Jane, or one of the other apprentices to come over to me and tell me what a good job I was doing. <laughs> and my, you know, and that was so, just felt really silly. But, you know, and then my logical brain is like, you actually don't need any help. If they saw that you needed any help, they would come and help you and you're actually fine and you're just making the drum and what's that all about? And so that just really unraveled for me this whole deeper layer about my birth imprint and my birth story and of me actually... Um, f- being a little bit invisible in that story and um, wanting to be recognised and wanting to be seen and trying to complicate things um, that maybe didn't actually end up needing to be quite so complicated. So um, my mum was quite unwell when she had me. She um, was in hospital for, you know, Quite a few weeks before I was born, she had preeclampsia and, um, yeah, you know, my dad's memories of that time were that, yeah, there was a 50% chance that both me and mum would die and it was this really, you know, stressful situation and so there was that and then mum's story about my birth was, it was the autumn equinox and it was the full moon and... She, you know, they were going to do a vacuum or a forceps or something and she just was like, no, and just pushed me out and pooed on the anaesthetist and she was like, fuck yeah, I'm awesome. Um, And so, (laughs) yeah, and so when I, when I asked, um, when I was doing the drum journey, the drum making with Tallulah, I asked mum to actually write my birth story for me. And she did. And in reading that, there just, there wasn't really anything in the story about me. It was all about everything that was going on around my birth and for her and with the other people involved and um, other people that were involved in my care after I was born. And so, yeah, I kind of, there's this, like many women have, I think, that fight between needing to be seen but also knowing that sometimes, you know, finding that inner resilience of not actually needing that external validation and I don't know if that's Mm. making any sense, but at the time it it really um, 
it was a really powerful learning for me um, that I'm actually much more capable than I think I am. You are listening to the School of Shamanic Womancraft podcast series with Ayla Myra. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. And so as I was talking before about, you know, it was after that drum making that we did that that initial journey where I met, you know, my grandmother and my great-grandmother and and their words to me were, you know, we see you, we've always been here, we've been waiting for you, you know. And um, and that was just really beautiful, you know. I was like, yeah, that's that validation that I really wanted, you know, and had been seeking that in other places and not really just feeling that, you know. So mm. that was was a really beautiful experience for me. Yeah, well, it's so healing, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. just thinking of the healing for your mom too and being seen and heard and, um, yeah, yeah, just receiving that through you as well. And, well, yeah, wow. And so did you like the inside-outside look when you <laughs> finished with it? Oh, I love it. I love yeah. my drum. I've actually yeah. never played the first drum. <laughs> yeah, okay. Really. Yeah. I just yeah. um and kind of decided at some point that I needed to give it to my daughter. It was actually her drum. But oh, um yeah. yeah, I just this this drum feels very powerful and, and magical to me and I painted it with my blood and I just yeah, mm. I love it. It's it's one of my most treasured possess- possessions and Mm, beautiful. And so during that journey in towards the other gatherings and, um, you know, leading up to knowing that you'll be going on the vision quest soon, how did that arise for you and making it to the journeys and all the quirks um, in between? <laughs> yeah, so it was good. So I, apart from the first get the opening gathering where I was ovulating, um, I bled at every other mm. gathering. Wow. Um, you know, I, I'm one of those people that will tend to shift my cycle to adapt and you know fit in with other people that you know when they're bleeding. So that was a, that was an interesting experience for me. Um, positive, beautiful, felt really magical and right, and that was lovely. Um, I was so excited about Vision Quest. That was something that was really that really called me to to do this journey. Um, was to just see how yeah how that would go for me. And you know, part of me was really scared. Like, was I just going to um, so actually going to realise that I'm crazy was kind of some stuff that was coming up for me. Like have I just I've, – I've kind of – I've struggled with depression and anxiety and and stuff at times in my life and that's kind of, you know, my mental well-being is an ongoing, you know, thing that I need to be really aware of. And so, yeah, part of me was scared of like is I just – without all of those constraints of the world, am I just going to – totally lose it and what's that going to look like and how is that going to be and is it just going to be this 
massive, you know, chaotic unraveling. Um, and it wasn't. It was the complete opposite of that. Um, I was also really worried about how I would go without eating any food for three days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> food is like totally my drug of choice since I've had kids. And um, like, you know, I don't feel hungry very often. I know. I'm like, how's that gonna go? And and it was it was it was amazing. Like so, um, I was what what was so beautiful about so many of the gatherings for me was not only about how much we were held emotionally and spiritually in that, but just the physical preparation as well. Like I really. I just love Jane's down-to-earth practicalness, you know. I love that you do ceremony with Jane and she's got a head torch on and her practical boots and, you know, and yeah. and that going out on Vision Quest, um, you know, that there would be a fire evacuation plan and all of that kind of stuff. Like a fire was something that, that was really frightening me about Vision Quest. I was like, what if there's a bushfire? How, you know? what will that be like and um because we're at the top of this mountain and um and there had actually been a bushfire through the property the week before we got there um so that felt really reassuring to me we got up there at the top of the mountain and it's just ash and burnt trees and there's still smoldering logs and and things like that and um and I chose a place not far from base camp because I'm a bit lazy and I didn't want to have to lug all my shit back a really far way at the end. So I just, yeah, I found this beautiful little, it was almost like a little womb. It was um, this kind of little semi-circular, like a little circular space that was just in a little bit of unburnt rainforest and there were some big tree ferns over me and kind of this this ring of earth around it. So it was like this little hollow and it was just green and, and cosy and beautiful. And oh, it was just such a peaceful place and such a peaceful process for me. You know, you hear other people's stories about Vision Quest. And so, you know, I had all of that going in as well. And, you know, everyone has such different different experiences of that. Um, but, yeah, I just I set up my little camp and I – you know, I slept a lot <laughs> for the first kind of day and I just felt so at peace and so comfortable and, you know, I was scared going in that am I going to figure out I'm in the wrong relationship, in the wrong life, doing the wrong job and it was none of that. It was just a total reaffirming of me being completely in the right track but of just refining what my um what my priorities are and you know it's I had been I have been in such a masculine drive to get my career established I never wanted to be dependent on a man financially so you know I'm quite independent taking care of myself in that way has been really really important and so I had my first two kids while I was studying and, you know, had just been on this kind of epic one-track mind for such a long time um, that the Four Seasons journey was a 
a new way of thinking for me and of being and of stepping back into just trusting that feminine flow in life um, and of just reprioritizing my family. So, yeah, it just felt quite comfortable and quite gentle. The sharing of our life stories before we went out and our Vision Quest solo was really powerful for me and just hearing what story it was to come out, you know. There's there's many different versions of my life story and the one that came out was, was really painful and was really, um, yeah, was was really, really sad. And I just, I kind of went into that feeling that, that I could let that story go now, that that story was going to die, basically, that old, an old part of me was going to die and that I was going to come back and actually be not a wounded little girl anymore, but I'm going to be a grown-up. I'm going to be a woman. And, you know, I was 36, I guess, when I did this, so I'm already, you know, a grown-up. But, yeah, and just had a really gentle process. I didn't have any really big, you know, visions as such, but just everything, there were just these repeated little messages. Um, just, you know, hearing Jane's voice of everything is a sign and being curious about that. And so, you know, I had these random flies that came along that <laughs> each day there was a different type or a different color of a fly and so I'm like of course you're just here to like lay your eggs and like in my rotting corpse and yeah of course there's flies here that's what you mean <laughs> it just seemed really normal and <laughs> yeah um I feel like if anything yeah. it's so amazing to get those three days solid to be present with that like when do you get to like fully immerse yourself into a fly you know and what it looks like and (laughs) (laughs) it was such a gift though you know and I um actually really I love me like it was nice to just to to just meet myself again you know it just took me back to those times of being a little kid playing in the bush you know before Mm. I was old enough to realize how sad the world could be sometimes I guess yeah that's beautiful oh I love that so gentle (laughs) yeah it was very gentle I was really grateful for that and Mm. um so how were you yeah how were you coming out when you emerged back into people (laughs) land again I was (laughs) I was so high. <laughs> so it was freezing. It was so fucking cold during our like fishing quest that I just oh I'm so grateful there was no mirror there. Like I didn't even look at my outfit before I went in, but like my funny beanie and just fucking hilarious. Just so many different layers of weird clothes and you know, I don't ever dress like that like not even in my own like I'm either naked or I've got a beautiful (laughs) dress on is kind of how I live and um and so we'd done some lovely eco dyeing and so I'd taken mine and unwrapped it down there anyway so I had an outfit to wear like (laughs) back out of the bush so I (laughs) I put my outfit on and I was just feeling I've never felt so magnificently beautiful in my entire life and the gorgeous Judy Diana just you know 
met me as I walked up on the hill and I just I didn't realize how much of an altered state I'd been in until I had to communicate with other people yeah but I just um I've never been high like that before like it was incredible and Judy just uh jumped straight into where I was at and you know so as a little girl I would get all dressed up in outfits and make mum go and do photo shoots with me in the yard and she would you know indulge that for a while and anyway Judy's like oh my god you are so beautiful can I just take photos of you I'm like yes yes you can please do (laughs) um, so I've I've never seen those photos and I actually don't ever want to see those photos because I don't want them to alter how I felt in that moment and I think Mm -hmm viewing that from an external place outside of that space would ruin that for me. Mm. Um, yeah, that's and, interesting. Yeah. And I, she... I think sometimes we do that with birth too, you know. I mm. I think sometimes in photographing or videoing or even other people sharing their story can rewrite that experience as it was at the time for that woman. Mm. And... I think there are some things that can't be captured, you know, that just we need that feeling rather than sometimes the external picture of that that changes things, changes the perspective and the vision. Yeah, that's really interesting. I do agree with you. I've seen the rise of birth photography and it's fantastic and there's some Mm. element of it when I look at, um, you know, when I did the, birth podcasts um the sort of older generation of people would send in maybe one photo or something that was like you know those kind of 80s looking small square photos it's like oh yeah you know and that was it like there was probably one or two like these are great like you know and you could see a different essence to them um but yeah it's interesting um the more preference on having the photo done than the experience in some way yes and yeah yeah, I guess that's kind of everywhere too though isn't it like it's around it is absolutely yeah 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 um yeah yeah and online I think isn't it between increasing exposure and you know helping remind people of how things can be different and and keeping some things you know in the sacred that can be set in that time and place Mm, yeah yes yeah keeping it sacred yeah so and then how so coming out of vision quest and integrating back to home and life again um how was it heading up to the end of the year and your final gathering and knowing that you know it was coming to not a closure but I guess the end of that physical journey with the women Oh, I really, um, overwhelmingly it felt really good, you know. It felt like we'd come to the end of something. Um, I knew I was going to really miss the opportunity to just be in circle and be me outside of, that's what I love so much, you know. I wasn't a midwife there. I wasn't a mum. I wasn't a daughter. I wasn't a partner. I was just myself. Um, and so I was going to really miss that regular opportunity 
for doing that, but also felt that it was going to be the beginning of something else. Um, I really, it was funny hearing you say that I had told you at the home birth conference that I was calling in a baby because um, when we had this, when we had Isla, um, there were two aspects of my life. There was the world that was, holy shit, you had a baby? I thought that was so off the cards. And then there was, you know, the other part that were kind of the women that were connected with me with the Four Seasons journey and things that were like, oh, yeah, on the mountain you called in a baby. Like you all acknowledge that and you own that. And I did. I just wrote this one sentence in my journal. I just, I want a baby. And that wasn't something my partner and I had talked about. It was not something that he wanted. Um, but I just needed to own that decision. Um, and so, yeah, I really feel that um, – so I think I fell pregnant with Isla maybe three months after finishing mm. and I really, yeah, her pregnancy and just her coming into our life has been massive continuation of that work for me. So lots of fears came up for me when I found out I was pregnant, how are we going to make this work? I'm meant to be doing a PhD. I've got a full-time job where I work 60 hours a week. I can't take time off to have a baby. I don't want to have a baby and then go back to work straight away. How's it all going to work, you know? And it's just been this constant unraveling and changing of perspectives and ideas about what things have to look like and need to look like. And I, I really believe that her coming in has been, has forced me to continue with the work that I started of changing my priorities, of working more in that flow space rather than having to have a rigid plan of knowing exactly what it looks like and just killing myself in the process to achieve things. So, um, yeah, I'm just mm. I'm so grateful for that opportunity, you know. I, I know this sounds terrible but, like, you know, I think life throws you curveballs and as I would say to my partner, I'm like, you know, could have been cancer. Like we got a baby, you know. Mm. What do you say to gift. that? <laughs> yeah, he thought that was great. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and to speak yeah, to cancer. To, felt like, oh, yeah. I was just going to say and to speak to cancer too. I've known a few people that have gone through the cancer journey and said it was a gift to actually yes. come through it. So in all honour to that as well. Yes, totally. Yeah, and so and I mean no disrespect. Do yeah. you feel like with the midwifery as well, um, had the integration of doing the journey has helped you as an educator and a midwife and all of those things? Um, just like you said, when you when you had called in your new babe, the the reprioritizing and just seeing what's important and um, offering that space to integrate way, different ways of doing things. Do you feel like that's come across in your midwifery and how you are? Yeah. Yeah, I think it has. It's been such an interesting journey for me of when I started as a midwife and where I am now and you know, sometimes it's even hard to call myself a midwife. Sometimes I don't want to even um, uh, kind of identify. I think it can, it's such a loaded term sometimes. Um, but and what I mean by that, I guess, is it's just really so much of the way that 
birth exists in our culture is in that cult of the expert space and um and you know and that can happen in teaching as well and it can be this really nice you know I'm the expert and here's all the information and you know can feel really can feel a huge weight and responsibility in all of that but I think yeah it's just given me um just permission I guess to um to just trust that the journey will all unfold as it's meant to, you know, that it's all, I don't know, and just and sharing that with the students. Like I guess the biggest way that that's re- this has really impacted my work is just um, so I've been running student midwife support circles at our uni for about the past five years. So based on, you know, a concept that Jane and Judy Diana and a few other Um, mermaids kind of developed and that's been just such an incredible process to just sit with these amazing women and midwife them and have them midwife each other through this incredible rite of passage that is their their study to becoming a midwife and um and so I really it's I guess there, there was a big part of me at the start of the journey that was really grieving my role as a midwife and feeling like I can't work in the way that I want to um, in terms of, you know, providing care for women at home. I just, I cannot go back and work in the hospital. It's just not something that I can do for my, you know, mental, physical, emotional well-being. And so where do I fit? What is my role? And so really stepping into that of, of midwifing midwives um, and midwifing birth workers in my communities and, um, yeah, I guess I've, I've, I've re-found a passion and a place for me and it's very different to what I thought it was meant to look like. Um, but, yeah, it's just the work I'm meant to be doing at the moment and it's a big part of my job and I really love it. It's very fulfilling and it feels real. It feels like the real work in many ways. Mm, that sounds really hopeful. <laughs> it sounds hopeful to me too being a student midwife that's kind of deferring <laughs> and not really um, – finding that space at the moment but wanting to go through with it to find that space that you just spoke about (laughs) so yeah yeah, it just sounds really hopeful that knowing that yeah we can we can come together and help each other through this and midwife each other and look at what the word midwife is and um, how that is in a community and um, yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah, lots of gratitude to you. So thank you so much for doing this work and for keeping – to keep going. You know, studying with kids is insane. I just – I don't even know. Like that's – yeah, like I think that's amazing. And to get through that um, and then, you know, to do what you're doing um, just can really feel into how much that calling and that deep – um, connection to be in service um, comes through for you. So, yeah, so much gratitude. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And um, is there anything that you wanted to sort of express within the work that you do um, to people that might be 
uh, and from your journey as well that to people that might be thinking about doing the four or eight seasons journey or, um, yeah, connecting with even becoming a midwife too, <laughs> any advice? Oh, I just think this is essential work for every woman. I I almost feel like my life um, can be defined as, you know, before and after the Four Seasons journey. I feel that the things that we do during that year and the processes, the time just feels so they – f- they feel quite simple, you know. They're not really complicated, but they are so – intricately woven together to be a part of this incredible organized well thought out plan if that makes sense like I remember going through the year going I I see this I see what the plan is here and I can see how well kind of yeah just designed it all is to be so incredibly fucking powerful you know um I just feel like that whole process for me has allowed me to just really be more congruent with who I am as a woman to feel comfortable in owning me and my thoughts and my beliefs and my voice and feeling really supported in knowing that I have you know incredible support around me and other women to stand with me um so that it's safer to share my voice. Um, I think that, yeah, we tend to, um, you know, we can have all kinds of excuses and reasons and sometimes they're legitimate but most often they're not that stop us from doing the things that we want to do that really, you know, will activate us. Um, You know, there were lots of feelings that came up around guilt for me about, you know, money and time away from the family and all of that kind of shit. But it really grew my relationship with my partner and, you know, just stepping back and really trusting him with maintaining the family while I was gone was was really powerful. So, yeah, if if you're feeling called to do this, just do it. It's not something that you'll regret. It's not going to open up stuff that is bigger than you because this is you. I know that's a quote about birth, but, you know, it's exactly the same. Like it's, mm. yeah, I was I was scared that it was going to open up all this shit for me. And really what I came out of, you know, this experience realising is that I'm actually not as fucked up as I think I am, that I have grown so much as a woman from the little girl and the hurts and things that have happened or I have done to myself throughout those years. And I'm actually this incredibly powerful, resilient, heartfelt woman and um and that it's you know that my value in the world is not the different roles I play and the things that I do it's about who I am and what I bring and and I think that that's really important stuff for midwifery I think you know I I I recommend that all students do this I think it's a it's a beautiful compliment um to the fairly medicalized skeleton of midwifery that you get um, studying through tertiary education and that this can, you know, put the heart and blood and soul and flesh out that wisdom and that experience. 
and mm. yeah beautiful thank and, you so much come and be a midwife <laughs> <laughs> but, you know you, you can't be a midwife unless you you know you've got to be brave you've got to be able to stand up and and speak out we need to stop being complicit in the shit that happens to women because um as midwives we make up the system and it's really confronting and really challenging for a lot of people to think that inadvertently they're causing harm to women but we cannot change what we don't acknowledge and um, the system only exists because of the midwives that that work there you know Mm. and keep it running keep the machine running so we need to think about what our role is in this what is it we're bringing to the work that we're doing and you know, how we can best be of service. Yeah, beautiful. And I love that too, just in such honour of all the midwives that have been before us and all the women that have just stood up in those voiceless places, you know. Um, we can yeah. do it and we've done it and we're, we're doing it, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of stepping into circle, isn't it? Just like when you step into the journey, um, all that stuff that comes up of, I can't, I can't, I do this, I did it. But as soon as you step yeah. in, it's just ah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I would I would love to see a circle happen in every maternity unit. I think oh, there is just, yeah. you know, they're they're often very they're unsafe places for everybody. Mm. You know, patriarchy is is bad for everyone in all aspects. It's um, you know, there's there's a lot of women there that are just that are very frightened that are just you know that we're not just women, you know, everybody, the whole system is just operating from that space of of fear and of competition and, you know, you just see everyone's wounded stuff all playing out and, um, mm. yeah, I think we just, we really need that solidarity and to support mm. each other and and that for me was one of the biggest takeaways from from just being in circle with such a large number of women that, that I couldn't help but love them after I knew their stories, even if I maybe didn't like mm. everyone. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too, we're not designed to align with everyone. Oh, thank you so oh, much. Be... Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And you can find you on Instagram, Jessie, on Instagram at full moon fem- feminist, is that right? Yes. Or yeah. one word. So, yeah. Yeah. All one word. That's the best yeah. place to find me. I'm um I'm setting up a website, fullmoonfeminist.com, but not quite live yet. So beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I look forward to your offerings and um yeah, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you. I love your podcast. It's all I was a bit mm. nervous to um <laughs> to talk today, but yeah, I just it's been so valuable for me. Um, just hearing everyone else's stories, it's really helped deepen my own experience as well. And, um, yeah, just knowing, and, you know, Jane talks about this a lot, but just there's just always more layers, you know, that we're uncovering of going back over the same thing. Like you're never done. It's never, it's never finished. And, yeah, so I think what you're offering here is just is really, really powerful. So thank you. Can't wait to hear more. For more information on today's inner review with photos and how to connect, head over to schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com forward slash media forward slash podcast.
Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. We are all in this together.